today we are going to um, we're going to finish our sermon series in uh, in Romans, not in Romans, <laughs> in uh, in Hebrews, in Hebrews 11. So we've been uh, we've been jogging through or walking through this uh, this chapter, uh, examples of faith. And so Joseph was correct. I'm not going to talk about all the people that are mentioned here in this chapter because there's so many of them. But if you would like to get to know them better, it's quite easy to find out where they are um, and then uh, uh, learn about them. Some of you have been privileged to be here for a while, so you uh, maybe know all of them already because we had some time ago we went through Judges and we just went through Kings. And so then, therefore, you know some of them. <clears throat> and we would uh, read the text to, together. And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell about Tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, and David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped, stopped the mouth of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to fight, women received back their dead for, by resurrection, some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even change and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with a sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, afflicted mis mistreated of whom the world was not worthy wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and in caves of the earth. All these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us they should not be made perfect. So that's the, that's the text that we are going to talk about today. And so... Um, the author of the Hebrews here, he shifts gear and then he starts um, bringing a summary and bringing even more people that he brings in. So he brings in um, <coughs> Gideon, Brax, Samson, Jephthah, they're judges, they live in the time of the judges. Um, he he uh, mentions one king, we just went through kings, so we know there's a lot more than just one, but he mentions one. And he mentions Samuel, who's a priest. And then he mentions the prophets. And the prophecy doesn't name them, but we met some of them also as we went through the kings. So some of you might be quite familiar with these, um, these examples. And you might also, from the text, see who the author of Hebrews is talking about. As I was preparing, I was thinking about... What is it then? What is it then that we've learned through Hebrews? What is it that we've talked about for a while now, and we 
we've been continuing to talk about these uh, three words here. The author of Hebrews is trying to instill hope in the people he's writing to. So that's the same for us. And so it's a, it's a hope that when God promises something, then it's going to happen. And he's installing faith in them. Faith in Jesus. Faith in his work. Faith in his word. And all of this is supposed to encourage them that they might have endurance. So I was just, uh, I was, uh, I was thinking about that and just how is it that as we're just going to sum up all of these people, what are some of the things that are the same about these people and what are some of the things that we also can be encouraged with? And so I wrote down just a, I have a five points. I'm not going to go through all the five points, but just these are points that I would try to encourage us to, um, to reflect about and to think about as we reread this story and as we read and have been going through Hebrews 11. So one of the things that stuck out to me is that also in this chapter is God is always bigger and he's in more control than we sometimes think and also even like. So he's, he's able to do exceedingly abundantly more than we can even ask or think. Now that's a good thing, but sometimes it becomes challenging, especially in the second part when it talks about the people that were suffering and dying for their faith. What about when there's, there's us? Are we starting questioning? Are you really in control? Are you really able? The second point is that Jesus, he is our hope. It's a hope of the finished work in, in Jesus and also that God is faithful. And therefore we can keep, we can endure and we can keep running the race of life as we focus on Jesus. And using the faith that we've been given. Something that's been really amazing, I think, for me in this series is to see, and this is something I've been struggling about Hebrews, and especially Hebrews 11, a long time. It's like, why is it that God can see these people as people of faith? Because when we read their stories, they do well, their lives kind of maybe look similar to ours. Someone makes bad mistakes. Mistakes that we don't even make. So how is it that God can see these people as faithful? I think it was Lee that said, this is God showing us how he can see us in Christ. We can be seen as people of faith. We can, as we trust God and move forward, we can obtain the goal of hearing, well done, good and faithful servant. Not because we're going to do everything right, but because we trusted in Jesus. His work, His life, His death, His resurrection, and His coming back. And God sees us the way through that and therefore we can even see be seen as people of faith 
Now, uh, four is a big, big one just to be reminded about. And Paul is accused sometimes of this. This is never a license to sin or go out and, and do dumb things. No, 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 no. Like when we understand who God is, then, then um, we're not wanting to do that. We, we know that, that God has done, done this in us and through us and we're not wanting to go out and do, do things that are not good. No, we, we are being transformed so, so that we want to live a life where we serve God and are seen as faithful. Five, I was just a, is something I was reflecting over, is that we want to be reminded about the whole part of the gospel, not just bits and pieces. And maybe sometimes I and other people, we can, we can maybe get too focused on that Jesus, he died for our sins, which is great and that's true, but there's more to the gospel than that. Because he doesn't stay dead. He rises again and he's coming back. It's about under, that we understand and encourage one another that the true, the true gospel is the restoration of the un, unbroken communion with God. That Jesus comes and bridges that gap that was created by sin. That our, the sin that was taken away from us and had created that gap between us and God now is taken away through Jesus and so the good news is that when we were far from God he has now brought us near in Jesus and that's a really important because especially again when we're looking at but then why does God make us why, does, why is there suffering? Why is there testing? Why are we being disciplined? That's if we go into 12, why is God sometimes disciplining us? Why is he refining our faith? And I just, as we, as we just, as we went through these people, it was so interesting to see God was doing something different in all of them. Like, so we see Abel, he has faith, but he gets killed. And then we see, uh, then we see, uh, Enoch, he just walks with God and he's no more. Then we go, then we have Noah, he's mocked and scorned by everyone because he's building this boat. Abraham's asked to go where he doesn't know where he's going and later he's asked to be sacrificing his son. So all of these people don't have easy lives and I think it was, it was Lee last week It says, well the Christian life is not just one of ease. But there's somebody with us all the time that we can trust in and we know that God is with us. So as we go back, oh, I'll just jump back to it, to this one. So looking at the chapter, um, Looking at the chapter, I was just reminded about um, what Jesus says. He says, oh, maybe I have this slide. 
Yeah, Jesus, he has a conversation with the disciples. And he says, Jesus answers them, Do you now believe? Behold, the hour is coming indeed, and has come when I will be, when you will be scattered for each, each to his own home, and, and will leave me alone. Yet I'm not alone, for the Father is with me. I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. When Jesus had spoke these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that the Son may be glorified. Glorify you. Since you have given him authority over all flesh and given eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. I was just thinking about all the people in Hebrews 11. And many of them did not have an easy life at all. Many of them, this verse is very true, where Jesus says, In this world you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. The saints of old, or the old people from the Old Testament, they just see this like, really, they see it as a light far, like, far ahead. They don't know how it's all going to play out, but they have this trust in the Messiah that He will come, and He will save, and He will redeem, and He will make all things right. There was one of the commentaries that said, and, and we can even read here, that their light, that they were shining, might have been from understanding very little about who the Messiah was. And so he's challenging us that we should be bigger lights because we have seen so much more. And we have this confidence that Jesus has overcome the world. So what's going on in this chapter? Well, we see that the first ones that I mentioned, they, are, they do really well, and everything's going good. Um, these people, like we said, don't, they're not perfect people. They don't live, uh, all things don't go really super. A good example is Samson. He accomplishes more in his own death than he does in his life. Um, and the, yeah, the different things of each of the people. Um, but as we look in, as we looking uh, into the verses in 33, from 33 to uh, 35, the first part, um, it shows how God sees them as faithful and obedient servants, and they were um, they're obedient to what God was calling them to do. And we see some times where, where God even says, well, how did they do that? And we see, especially with uh, Samson and some of the judges, like the, the, uh, the Spirit of God rushed over them and they were able to accomplish these things. We see the prophets doing mighty deeds. And we see 
David being very um, dependent on God for his successes. Um, but then, uh, as we look to 35b, then the whole thing changes. And all of a sudden, we get a totally different view of how a successful life of faith can be lived. So all of a sudden, it says like, these people were obedient and faithful, but they were killed, torment, tormented, imprisoned. But they had a great hope, like we talked about just shortly before. They had a great hope that there was life, a better life. They were looking forward to the resurrection. It's interesting, it was somebody that wrote that sometimes we, we think that um, we're not worthy of something. But here, the author of Hebrews writes, you know, the world was not worthy of these people. Um, and then it describes how their lives were lived. They walked around in deserts and they hid in caves and, and different things. And the interesting thing is that they haven't done, this is not, this is like not punishment because we see in the next verse, we see that God commends them all for their faith. So, so it's not necessarily, when you look at your own life and things aren't going the way you think they should be going, it's not necessarily that you're doing something wrong. It could be, but it's not necessarily that you're doing something wrong. Sometimes it could be that being faithful is not always what, is not what gets rewarded by the people around you. And we can sometimes say, well, but why is that God's will? It's like my first point is like God's always in control. He's bigger. And, he, and we know that he can do all things. And, but then why were these people suffering? Why are people suffering now, today? The interesting part is that sometimes it's not necessarily people suffering that has a problem with people suffering. It's more the idea that some God would let people suffer. Because if we look at it today, people are still dying for their faith. The interesting thing is those people have exactly the same hope as these saints have. They're also looking to the better life. To the life with God. I think it was like there was an example. We have the example of Paul where he says, oh, should I depart and be with God or should I stay and, and minister to you? And so he's he is like, you know, going 50-50, would it be better to stay or go? There's so much sometimes freedom in, in that, and I think we're being challenged to just think about how many things of our daily things sometimes tie us so much down that we are more concerned about all sorts of things that are not going to last forever. 
These people are so focused because there's nothing else. There's, 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 um, when people give their life because of Jesus, they have the choice. You can get free if you say you don't believe. But what is it that their, their hope is? Well, their hope is also what Paul has. Well, as soon as I'm done with being in this body, I will be with God. Totally. The hope is to be made perfect. Now, the interesting thing is also, I, I just noticed is that Hebrews 11, I think Lee has brought, brought this up many times when some people bring up the first part of Hebrews, uh, uh, of the first verse, like 33 to 35, and then Lee would also say, yes, but keep reading. Because I believe this kills the prosperity teaching. The health, wealth, and all this stuff. Oh, if you're just faithful to God, then he will, you're never going to be sick. You're always going to be prosperous. Well, these people did exactly what God wanted them to. And they had really successful lives. Just not in the eyes of the world. Because they were mocked, killed, and despised. But how could you do all those things? Well, we talked about it because in, in verse 40, it points to the resurrection. We have this strange, uh, not strange, but interesting verse that says, and all these, though commended through their faith. So God says, like, these people all live by faith. Did not receive what was promised, since God was providing something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be perfect. So they're looking towards, um, they were looking towards the Messiah to come, redeem. And then it said in the one verse that they were not going to give up, that they might raise to a better life. So they have the same hope. Then the author of Hebrews is explaining a little more like what, what does this mean? Their hope is like our hope. Like we, like we talked about before, Jesus, we see him clearer. We see his life, definitely his resurrection. Our hope is the same as theirs. We know that God reconciled us to him through Jesus. And we can stand justified in him. And we also are awaiting our resurrection or being made new and being with God. I think maybe sometimes we've missed that part of the gospel. That it's not just getting saved from our sin. But it's being reunited with God in perfect, perfect communion. The sin is wiped away, but it's more than that. So as I was praying for myself and for us, is that as we're looking through Hebrews 11, we're looking at all these lives, what was really their hope? Was it 
Oh man, I hope my kids do well in school. Oh man, I want to do good at job. I want to. I want to build this company. I want to do this. I want to run a hundred miles. I want to do all those things. What is that that we set our hopes and goals in? Or we stop at, oh, Jesus died for my sin. But he also rose again. And he's also coming back. Now what's interesting to us today is that even as we're living this life now, we have some of that in us. Because we know that we have been reconciled to God. And we know that when we believe in God, He promised that Jesus promised not to leave us as orphans, but that the Holy Spirit would come and reside in us. And it says, Paul says, it's the Holy Spirit is down, down payment of what is to come. So even as we live this Christian life, we don't live it on our own. You could say our faith is maybe not even our own; it's the one that was bought for us. And the one that God with us, God in us, helps us live out. So as as we're thinking and considering these things, and it, it's the prayer that that the Holy Spirit in us will create a joy, a faith, and a hope, and the endurance that we've been talking about as we faithfully serve God together. That as we went through Hebrews 11, we saw all of these people, and depending on where you are in your walk with God, some of the things have been challenging. And today, especially, is challenging. I'm just telling you that a faithful life can be one where you're going to suffer and not be treated well. But what if... But what if... What if... we grab on to... the truth of... we have been reconciled to God. Our hope is not to be statistically successful in this world. And our joy is found in who God is and how we are reconnected, reunited with Him. And the hope is the restoration of all things that we can be with God in unhindered communion. I believe that is the hope that those servants died for. I believe it's the same hope that people die for today. But I also believe that we, we need to be challenged with. That's the hope we need to live with every day. That God through the Holy Spirit helps us with joy, faith and hope and endurance. Now the very interesting thing about Hebrews 11 is that it's 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 just in between 10 and, nine, and 10 and 12. 
So Lee has been reading this part a lot, which is really, really good. Because if you're looking at your Bibles, you can see that Hebrews 11 is is a um, what do you call it? It's 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 stuck in between two encouragements of Jesus is coming. Jesus has done something. Do not throw away your confidence for which you have a great reward. For you have need of endurance so that you will have done the will of God. You will have received the promise. For in yet a little while the one who is coming will come. He will not delay. For my righteous one shall live by faith. And he does not shrink back. My soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed. But we are those who have faith to the perseverance of the souls. If you then jump to 12, then he goes and says, Therefore, because of 11, we are, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight of sin which clings so closely to us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of God. Chapter 11 is put in between two amazing pictures of Jesus and what he has done. That's the encouragement today. We look to and be encouraged by Jesus and what he's doing. That he's promised he will come back. He will come back. Why can we live until he come back and comes back no matter what the circumstances are? Because he is coming back and because we can see what he did. Jesus are the one who founded and perfected our faith. He had joy in the worst thing ever. That he died on that cross. He had joy in that. Not seeing the shame. He did that to purchase us to make it possible for us to again have unbroken communion with him and his father. Why can we run even in the worst circumstances? Because Jesus is with God at the right hand. He's done all things. Waiting for him to return. We know he is. And we have the promise of the, we have the Holy Spirit helping and guiding us in our faith here now. So this short time, or this, these weeks we spend in Hebrews is all about running, <coughs> running the race, whatever that race is for you. Remember, there's two sides. You might be on the side where things are going to be great. Because, as we also asked the last verse, And Paul, he writes, he says, For this reason I bow my knee before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with the power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, 
that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with the fullness of God. And then he says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think according to the power of work at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever. We can run the race of faith when we focus on Jesus. When we focus on the God who can do all things. Now we gotta just we gotta just ask ourselves when well then what, what is happening sometimes when we don't think it's going the way it's supposed to do? If you go keep going through 12, there's going to be some things about, and we saw it. We saw it with um, Abraham. We saw testing. Now in, 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 in 12, it's introduction, it's growth. It's uh, parenting. What is it called? Discipline and growth. And so... As we live our lives as believers, we are growing in who we know God is. And sometimes challenges might be there to test and to build and encourage our faith. But as, as we encourage one another to follow Jesus, we need to focus, yeah, just like 12 said, that Jesus is the author and perfecter of our faith. Therefore, we can run. We can run because all the people have run before us. And they can be seen as faithful, although maybe they are not seen as successes in this world. Some were, some weren't. And holding on to God is always able to work in all the situations. He is all-powerful. He can do all things. And, and lastly, confronting ourselves with what is the goals of our lives. Am I really seeking to do the will of God. Am I really am I am my strongest hope and motivation really believing that true gospel is that Jesus has made it possible for us to have unbro unbroken communion with God again. And that is gonna happen when He makes us all perfect. Because we talked about it all the times before, everything else can be taken away from us. Everything is like, what do you call it, the song? All the ground is sinking. Everything else in Jesus is sinking sand. So if our hope is not in Him, it could all, all be wiped away or be taken away. So I'm very thankful we went through Hebrews. It's helped me a lot. 
It's really maybe explained the gospel even better to me that how Jesus, how God can actually see me through Jesus and see the faithful things that I do. Um, it's been really good, I think, to be confronted with, well, sometimes success is not just everything's going to go well all the time. Sometimes, I think it was Lee's commentary last time, sometimes the insurmountable problems are God's chance to actually work through those things. So I hope that you have had just a good time going through uh, Hebrews 11 as I have. And uh, yeah, so I just encourage you to to just maybe this week a little bit like um, Joseph did. Maybe you want to read about these guys again. Maybe you want to just think about and be encouraged by these uh, by the end of chapter 11. By the beginning, uh, yeah, by the end of chapter 11, by the beginning of 10, by the end of 10, by the beginning of 12. God, we thank you for this time we can spend in, in, uh, in Hebrews 11 over the series that we've done. God, I, just, I really just thank you. I, I thank you so much for this time where you've opened up my eyes to, to see how you can see me through faith in Jesus. That there's a possibility that we can be seen as your faithful servants. Lord, I pray for us today um, for the second part of Hebrews 11. God, you know us well, and you know also that this is maybe not really something any of, the, of us desire. Um, but Lord, I pray as you lead and guide us, we will be faithful and we will do what you ask us to do. Whether that will be successful in the eyes of the world or that would just be successful in your eyes. Lord, I pray for encouragement and hope and joy as we see so clearly what Jesus has done and how we are going to be made perfect with you. And we thank you in Jesus' name.